Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. Also known as Myungnang Sonia Sungungi. It's an SBS drama that came out in 2002 and it stars Chang Hyuk and Chang Nara. I love this show and I love the two actors very much. I think they have great chemistry on this program. Um, the It's a drama, but it's not like a depressing drama, you know? Like, yeah, there are moments. But it's not the kind of show that makes you feel hopeless and devastated every once in a while, <laughs> like a lot of Korean dramas tend to. And if you've seen Crash Landing on You, you know how Seri and Lee Jung-hyuk meet, right? They meet because Seri goes paragliding and Crash lands in North Korea, very close to the DMZ. And in the case with Successful Story of a Bright Girl, which came out 19 years ago, Han Gite and... Cha Young Soon pretty much meet the same way when the rich boy Han Gite goes paragliding and then he crash lands in Yang Soon's outdoor bathtub. That's right. By outdoor bathtub, I do not mean a jacuzzi. Uh, Yang Soon is not some baller ass bitch living out in the desert, okay? I'm talking about like the poverty stricken type of outdoor ba- bathing because. You know, some houses don't have indoor plumbing, and so they need to heat water and pour it into a larger basin that is outside. And this show uh, was written by a man, actually, uh, a man named Yi Himyung. He wrote some other shows that are some fan favorites, like Rooftop Prince and The Girl Who Can See Sense, right? And most recently, he wrote Reunited Worlds, which I have not seen. I probably won't see it. It makes sense to me that a man wrote Successful Story of a Bright Girl because even though Yang Soon, played by Chang Nara, is at the center of the story, uh, it's really the man, Han Gite, played by Chang Hyuk, whose plight has the most focus. Okay, So you typically see shows where the young woman, she's an orphan and she's working class and she's working her way up the social ladder, but this had a very unique storyline where the man is an orphan, but he's not poor. He starts out very, very wealthy. And then later on something happens and he loses all of his wealth, but then he makes it back. It's fine. Both Chang Hyuk and Chang Nara are staples of Korean dramas at the turn of the 21st century. And Chang Nara was in two hit Korean dramas in 2002. Okay, so she did Successful Story, which is this one. And then she did another one with Kim Won like right almost immediately thereafter or maybe she was shooting both of them at the same time i don't know but it's called my love pachi which was actually an awful drama it sucked it was terrible <laughs> i don't recommend it she also had a hit k-pop song called sweet dream and that just was like a mega hit you know even though people in the industry they kept telling her that she doesn't have what it takes to be a star she made it huge with that song it was a huge hit and you could you could listen to it you could look it up on youtube look up changnara and sweet dream it's a very uh bubbly cheesy song it's like it's like taking eight bubble gums and sticking it in your mouth at once and then also pouring uh maple syrup down your throat at the same time like that's how overly sweet it is and it's so fucking cheesy but back then yo that song slapped okay changnara mostly is known for her k-pop career as a singer um that's how she started out but uh of course nowadays that's not so much the case right changnara talks about her early career days um in show business on the talk variety show happy together okay which is hosted by yuja Huck. and uh she she talks about her her overwork 
overworking lifestyle, right? She mentions how she had to work for five days straight without any sleep at all. Like somebody literally was assigned to sit next to her and wake her up every time she started nodding off. I mean, that's how much she was tortured, okay? So Tangnara would have these mental and emotional breakdowns because she was so overworked and lacking of sleep. Her father was her manager, but I guess he really neglected her health greatly, you know? And it took a toll because... Um, you know, even though Chang Nara is in many TV shows, many Korean dramas, and she's extremely popular in China, okay, she suffers long-term damage from workplace abuse, okay? So she has panic attacks and she has anxiety attacks uh, quite regularly from what I hear, from what I've read. The fact that K-pop stars are overworked and abused is no surprise, all right? This has been the case and it continues to be the case because the people who designed the K-pop star system militarized it, okay? It was militarized men who designed this system. So when you look at the K-pop star industry, it's, it's really a combination of the military-industrial complex with old-school indentured servitude economics, Okay, and that's pretty much how the sex industry also functions among camp towns in Korea near the U.S. military bases. All right. But this also shows how, you know, the the sex work industry also works around the world. Right. Indentured servitude is found in every facet of body work around the globe. And you see this in strip clubs in the United States. You also see it in relationships between pimps and body workers. It's quite ridiculous how little women get paid for body labor. I said this before about the Korean TV industry and the film industry, but this applies for the K-pop industry. There must be labor unions. There must be labor rights. A vertically integrated management system for stars, they need to end immediately. They need to be broken up, okay? The fact that a lawyer and an agent and a manager are all in one company to manage a star is not okay. That means that the star has zero power, no agency, no say. So all of that needs to change. I mean, really, like Koreans really need to step it up. Okay, people working in entertainment deserve basic human rights, right? Like the right to be compensated for their work, getting enough sleep to rest. Okay, to to recharge before the call time the next morning, getting meals regularly on set. There is a very high demand for K-pop and Korean dramas and Korean film around the globe uh, but this high demand right this high demand doesn't quite match the compensation okay even though there's a high demand and there's a big market the people are just overworked and not paid enough so the indentured servitude of these systems they need to stop and lord knows i've had my share of indentured servitude through my 20s in america working numerous unpaid internships doing unpaid volunteer work okay even after all that experience i still wasn't paid enough when i got my first office job okay the normalization of unpaid internships needs to end immediately all right and if you're you know in college or something and you're thinking about getting an internship try to negotiate a pay because there are jobs that will pay interns okay and if if there's a job that you really want, but it's unpaid, just try to like think about it a little bit. It's like, do you want that to be a normalized thing in your life? You know, do you think it's okay that you just paid tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to college and now you're working for free for the first year or two years of your life? I mean, that's bullshit. Try to end that. Try to negotiate a pay for your internships. Chang Hyuk is very similar to Chang Nara in how prolific he is with his work. He works all the time. He's done a massive range of roles, going from comedic to very dramatic to very weird and excessive to very reserved and very stoic. And he's also done period pieces. Chang Hyuk is a very versatile actor, and he's got passion when he performs, and I think he's immensely talented. I watch him in all the things that he does. You see Chang Hyuk and Chang Nara revive their chemistry together over a decade later in that show Fated to Love You, which I will be talking about sometime in this summer. And I'm very excited to talk about that. But today, we're going to talk to one of my favorite people in Berlin. Her name is Ezra Karakaya, also known as Ezra Blackrock. She is a German, but her ethnic background is Korean and Turkish. And she is a journalist and an activist. She's based in Berlin. And I love her brilliance. I love her passion for grassroots and community activism. I love her heart and the work that she does. Check out her YouTube show, Karakaya Talk. And 
I really enjoyed our conversation together. So let's talk to Ezra Karakaya. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you look good. <laughs> Thank you. You look good. Thanks. I remember that jacket, man. Yeah, this jacket. jacket. I got it in Berlin. That's right. Oh, you did? Yes. I did. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Thanks, man. I think I got a Prince Lauerberg. So, Ezra, you, you're Korean and Turkish and German. That is the amalgam of identities that you encompass, that you embody. Yes? Mm, yes. Yes. Um, what's your uh, Korean name again? Nayeon. 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 Okay. Oh, that's very pretty. Nayeon. I don't know too many Nayeons. I know a lot of Nayeon, but mm. I don't know too many Nayeons. Um, I don't know too many Koreans, so like to me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know anyways. Do you have some Korean friends in Berlin, though? For sure, but it's not a lot of friends in... Mm. Um, yeah. I saw so many Koreans in Berlin. It was so interesting. I mean, quite a few were like tourists or students, but yeah. No, I do remember hanging out with a lot of Koreans when I was younger, when I was like 16 or 17. Oh. But then I kind of distanced myself from that community or kind of yeah. left that community yeah. because it, it was so violent for me at least oh, because yes. back then I was much heavier. Uh-huh. Um, and yo, they would, yeah. Oh Lord, they. I mean, they would talk about me in front of me. They're mean. And be like, and as if I wouldn't, as if I'm not existing. You know, they'd be like, yeah, oh, man, it's like She has like like lose weight, as if I'm not there, like right in front of me. And I'm like, yeah. I remember that that that. Um, I remember I have that memory memory in my head and so clear. Yeah. And I think it was one of the last times I was like part of this whole karaoke party drinking thing and i don't drink anyways right I right I drank, so yeah it wasn't i think that was the last time i was really in contact with a lot of um koreans or um like the korean diaspora yeah oh, okay well good for you for getting out of that because it mm. takes a lot of like i mean it takes bravery to distance yourself from a diaspora community that you feel like you identify with because you think that oh if you leave this community you might feel lonely or you know you're you're turning your back on your people or um, you're no longer part of a network I mean there's a lot of fear around that the ability to do that but you did it and that's big definitely I agree but then it's nice you know over time going out and then being able to choose your friends mm -hmm. because the Korean friends that I have now, I really appreciate them. Yes. They, um, they inspire me. They uplift me. So it's very, you know. Yeah. Yeah, man. The whole like weight thing. Ugh, I totally hear that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Like uh, I have, because I'm teaching a class right now. I'm teaching an undergraduate class at UCLA, a seminar about Korean dramas right now. And there's a student who's writing about this show called Weightlifting Fairy Kim Bokju or something. And she was writing about body image, body issues in Korea, like being heavy set and what that means in Korea. And she didn't really have a like a thesis statement. She didn't really have an argument. And I kept asking her, I was like, what is it that you want to say about this show? And she kept like going around in circles around body issues. And then I said, what are the standards of ideal body image and ideal beauty standards in Korea? Give me the measurements. And she was like, I don't know. Like, I was like, does, does the show say the exact measurements? And she was like, no. I was like, well, there you go. The body standards ideal body standards it's a myth it's a fucking myth there it doesn't exist and yet they insist that your body is imperfect they insist that your face is imperfect i'm like well give me the measurements give me the golden measurements of what an ideal body is you don't have it then what how dare you create this expectation and put it on me and i was like that's your argument and she was like oh okay <laughs> right but that's the truth Whenever Koreans say your your face, it could be a little bit more like this. It could be a little bit more like that. I'm like, like whose? You know, give me a name. Give me her measurements. And do you have those measurements? No, then fucking back off. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
it's the standards are it's a myth it's a mythology and i don't buy it yeah but then it does still affect us right oh it's like i don't have all to the buy time. it but then i'll be confronted by it all the time korea you know so. at a con it's a constant yeah and um i think this dehumanizing and demeaning the lowering of your self-esteem is just all part of the whole market system you know ultimately Oof. it's to sell stuff to you and it works <laughs> that's why it's there sure. i buy a lot of bullshit all, all, all the time you know <laughs> do, you, do you have that do you have that problem like buying of course <laughs> I mean, if I could buy tablets so I could just lose weight, I would do it. Actually, there, you know, there's a, like this in Korea, these things that you can get. Shigyukje. Mm. Right? The appetite. It uh, kills your appetite? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shigyuk. Oh. Shigyuk. Something like that. Shigyuk something. Okay. Yeah. Shigyuk so, meaning appetite. Yeah. Well, that's awful. I mean, I, it's awful, I but I still get him. <laughs> Does it work? I mean, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's not sustainable, right? I mean, oh, okay. you stop eating and then you start eating again. So oh, like... okay. <laughs> yeah, I love eating. Like, there's no stopping me. You know, like right now I have, I'm on this like kind of like weight loss thing right now because over the holidays, I just put on a lot of weight and um, like, I don't, I, I don't have the, the wherewithal. I don't have it to do the um, intermittent fasting. That's like a big thing. Mm -hmm. In Hollywood right now, everybody intermittent fast. It's basically anorexia, like half of the week, you know. <laughs> but I don't have I don't have the ability to do it. I like to eat, so I just yeah. exercise. I just minimize my food as best I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? When's the last time you've been to Korea? Um, the last time I was in Korea was summer 2019. Wow. That's a long time ago. That for me, it's really? a long time ago. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. How about you? It's been longer than that. It was like late. It was a late fall, winter 2018. So I guess January 2019 is when I left Korea. Yeah. Mm. But I miss it. I understand. So you go back to Korea quite um, regularly, I suppose. I do. I Before Corona hit, I was there at least once a year, if not twice a year. Damn. It's, it's, I love, and I've, mm -hmm. so during this whole Corona phase, the last yeah. year, I noticed that at many moments I wanted to go to Korea to go to Korea to like be with my family, yeah. just be in Korea, but also yeah. to get away from Germany. Uh -huh. it's, it's a way of, kind of disconnecting because it makes a difference whether you're in South Africa or in Korea because in Korea it's like there's the time difference right sure it's like the it just a communication just like stops with the people who are here right. whereas while I was in uh, South Africa because it's just a time uh, the same time zone uh -huh. it's as if you're right there you know it's as if yeah. someone's just like around the corner so yeah I really like going to Korea to mm -hmm. disconnect from Germany yeah how's Germany been during these times for you part of your anxiety or no for sure definitely and it's like i think the first lockdown to be honest i i needed it and it mm. was good mm -hmm. it was time off it mm -hmm. was i had to just like be at home just yes. chill and re rejuvenate yes and over the summer berlin at least acted as if there was no corona uh-huh it was nice we were out you know we were yeah. having shisha as always <laughs> like bars were open <laughs> yeah but then now, bruv, this is this is challenging. Mm -hmm. I really do miss going out. I miss being with people. I miss meeting my friends. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man. And working and and working. But I mean, but at the end of the day, at yeah. the end of the day, Alhamdulillah, I am okay. I am well. Yes. I'm I have everything I need. I have. My yeah, food, I have my your family is healthy you too. Know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, everything Good. Is okay. So this is just you know. Under these circumstances, yeah, it could be better, but it's okay. Yeah, I understand that too. You know, sometimes like when I'm going crazy, like I forget to be grateful too. You know, like counting your blessings and realizing that, like, okay, like at least I have my health. You know, I mean, this is a disease that's killing a lot of people. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but 
Yeah, I was just amazed at like South Korea's response and their ability to get control of this shit and how everybody just listened <laughs> and it just did mm-hmm. did right. I was just like, man. So that's why they're not even like scrambling and panicking over the vaccines right now. They're pretty chill. They're like, all right, let's slowly roll it out, starting with the elderly, you know? They're not like the U.S. right now, like trying to fulfill Joe Biden's promise, 100 million vaccines, 100 million vaccines in 100 days, in his first 100 days in office. That's his promise, yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. (laughs) They're already running out of vaccines. (laughs) Yeah. It's a mess, man. Our country's a goddamn mess. I mean, Trump got acquitted for the second time. It's awful. Yeah. I was I genuinely think thinking, I was like, should I like read? Because do, do you um have your Korean citizenship? Mm-mm, I'm not allowed to. Germans are very particular about that. Really? Because mm. I know um since like US and Korea are like, allies slash korea is like a neo-colony i could get a citizen i could re re i could reclaim my citizenship if i want because i have i was born in korea technically you know this fucked up thing happened i went to itaewon um to like a club with a friend and uh they were like give us your uh your korean id and i didn't have one i don't have one you know, and neither did my friend. She's she was like she left it at home, so she only had her passport, and I had my passport. And they were like, "No, no, you're Shinbunjung," and I was like, "I don't have one." He's like, "Well, if you don't have it, then it's forty dollars to get in." And I was like, "What? How much would it be if I had my Shinbunjung?" He's like, "It would be like twenty. And I'm like, "I was like, okay." I was like, "I'm walking away now," but you know this is wrong, right? He's like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> he didn't care, you know. <laughs> <Got him on. laughs> just didn't give a shit. Like, that's their way of making extra cash off of quote-unquote foreigners. It's so fucked up, but... I don't know. What do you think of that? Like, what do you make of those kinds of scenarios? Which scenarios? Like, the one I just talked about, like, locals charging extra for non-locals to enter their businesses. In a place like Itaewon. I'm going to give you the... In a pl- okay, well... Yeah. For me, the context is always important, yes. right? Mm-hmm. If we, I'm not too sure about Itaewon, mm. but let me let's let's act as if that happened in Berlin. Mm. Yeah. Let's let's you know let's assume that this was that kind. Yeah. You know, and they were charging, quote unquote, quote unquote, foreigners. Yeah. The, uh, double fee. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Wouldn't no. work. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I mean, they might try it. I mean, you know, we are, you know, in Germany. They do have it out. I mean, they do a lot of racial profiling at the doors. Oh. They have a um, very racist door. P- they, ha- I mean, in Berlin, at least, is very known to have, like, very racist door policies. Oh, wow. Clubs and clubs. And um, if that happened, I would make sure that there would be people in front of the club demonstrating. <laughs> and we'd be yeah, doing petitions <laughs> if we go into politics. I mean, this is not, uh-uh. Because yeah. that kind of... It's it just makes no sense because who who gets who is a foreigner and who not right yes and in a country where people I mean I could go there and not show them my passport and they uh-huh. would think that I'm a foreigner yes so like that doesn't uh uh-uh, yeah that doesn't work in a context in Korea I guess it's the same right but then I'm like I mean if you know <coughs> if there's I mean a white American going there exactly yeah, I'd be like yeah why not you know like I mean you profit off of Korea anyway exactly so <laughs> that's yeah. That's precisely it. It's like, if they're white American, then, yeah, maybe. Uh, then I get it, because there's this history of, again, like, neocolonization and all that. But those people probably don't get, like, the shitty kind of treatment that um, POC Americans get, or, you know, any person of color besides white, you know, like, that they get <laughs> in those spaces. That is true. I would understand if they were like, this is us pract- exercising like like our rights um, or our, this is our practice of decolonization in some aspect. If, if that was the case, I'd be like, okay, more power to you then. But it's like, but I'm like, I was born in Korea. 
and <laughs> when I, and and when I'm in the states, I suffer from a lot of racist discrimination. Like, what the fuck? Can't you just give me a goddamn break? You know, <laughs> like that's the hilarious irony. It's like you're gonna overcharge me. Like I look like you, bro. Like we're talking <laughs> in our language. What's happening here? Yeah, but yeah, if it if it happened. Um, in these other so-called democratic countries, yeah, there would be fucking riots and shit. But anyway, that's what's happening. Um, okay, so um, did you watch like a lot of Korean TV and movies while growing up? When I was a teenager, yes, I did. Okay, how did you access these content and shows? There were there were there were sites, man. There were pages. Okay, we knew of them for sure. Yeah. Like like mm-hmm. the dark web, the illegal sites and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like tons of advertisement and like super weird stuff. Right. That's okay. That's always fascinating to me, because why do these quote unquote illegal sites always have like for Asian content? Why do they always have like porn ads? Like is it only wait? That's only specific for like Asian content. I don't know. I mean, that's my assumption because like it's a pattern that I'm noticing. You say you say this, I notice it here in the states. I mean, I guess technically any illegal sites. Actually, you're right. Like I I used to rip like DVDs for this filmmaker I used to do editing for, and uh, those ripping illegal sites also had a lot of porn content. It was very distracting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. You're right. I take that back. Uh, but like what were some of your favorite shows that stick out to you in your memory my favorite shows to be honest there was this one series Mm. um lord if i just think about it it just makes me really sad (laughs) it was about it was about this very fat 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 woman and i'm using this word consciously because that's what people wanted to think right yeah very um mm, I know the show you're speaking of mm-hmm. and then she got like mm-hmm. tons of surgeries oh operations. I don't know the show you're speaking of <laughs> maybe you're, maybe there's two shows that I remember that I really like and okay. both were the story was the same uh-huh. both very fat at the beginning something uh. happened they they lost weight and then they you know oh. they, they got to be with their partner Oh, the, you know the boo. That's um, sad. The first one, she was kind of a backup uh, backup singer. Okay. Yada yada yada, and then she kind of had all of these so- surgeries, and then she lost weight, and she was super skinny. Yani not not skinny, but yani super skinny. Yani Whoa. thinner than my small <laughs> pinky finger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That was the one show, and then the the other one, what was the name called? Yo 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 yo. I I I breathe. I remember when I was in Korea for the second time in my life. Yeah. I was maybe I think fourteen, uh-huh. and I watched it with my with my cousins, and it was the same storyline. This woman that you know she's she wasn't super fat. I mean, they were kind of making her like you know mm-hmm. not the way they framed her mm. was something like a person that mm-hmm. is you know a little overweight, you mm-hmm. know, but it's not it's not that bad, you know. Yeah. That, that was kind of the narrative they were yeah. going, that they were going for, and then mm-hmm. obviously. There was a guy involved, and then he was like, oh, oh my God, you're so fat, I don't want to be with you. <laughs> but then after time, he got to know her, and then, you know, he kind of started loving her, and then she was like, you know what? I know my worth, and now I'm going to lose weight. And every time I watch this sh- these shows and, like, these episodes, I'd be like, yeah. it's going to be me. I'm going to have my glow up. <laughs> One day, I'm going to be just like that. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Okay, mm-hmm. was the second show, was it Kim Samsun? My name is Kim yeah, Samsun? Yeah, I think so. I think it was Kim mm-hmm. Samsun. Yeah, was, I, I love that show. She was funny. I do remember that she was funny and loud. She is so hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that actress, she's amazing. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. A lot of, like, weight loss related shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as we know, Korean community, when it comes to that, they're not very... Um, accepting of diversity of bodies yeah but there's this book that i i was kind of outlining for my students it's called curative violence and it's about like disabilities and gender and sexuality in korea and um yeah like 
any kind of body that doesn't seem quote unquote normal is always discriminated against in South Korea. And it's like tied to their war trauma. Yeah. So that's what it is. Usually it's a risk. How is that connected to the war war trauma? So like the Korean war obviously like blew everything up, right? Like the whole peninsula was like in, it was just in rags and it was torn up. And so they spent many decades rehabilitating the country, rebuilding things, getting systems back in place, um, getting its economy to become more stable, blah, blah, blah. So they were like, okay, we've, we're done rehabilitating the country physically and economically and politically. How now our obsession with rehabilitation needs to go to the bodies. So it goes to the individuals, goes to any person who shows or exhibits disability. So they're like, we have to cure you. We have to cure you. You're fucked up. You're sick. We have to heal you. We have to make you perfect and make you whole. And what that does is it makes the person with disabilities feel like a failure, feel like, Mm. you know, like they're abnormal, feel like they're no good. And that also extends in microaggressive ways to people with diversity of bodies. You know, people like you and me, we are perfectly normal. You know, as Buddha would say, we're in our perfect state in our present moment. But Korea, because of its war trauma, is obsessed with rehabilitating everything it comes across. But it's like, it's like you could take a break, Korea. <laughs> like, you're doing fine. You know, like, you're doing okay. Take a break. Leave the people alone. Yeah. Mm. Is is um any of things is anything like that like in Islam like proverbs or practice at all like talking about um presence being present or anything like that Definitely I think just like having you know there is this um as a muslim you're um you pray five times a day right and mm. I think that alone if you stick to your five prayers because I don't currently Yeah you do get into a system that keeps you present. Um, And there's like, so these five prayers are mandatory, but Mm. there's more practices that you can do, right? There's zikish is like um, the repetition of kind of um, repetition of the names of God and Mm -hmm. like um, where you kind of get to a trance state. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest, the days, I can't even speak of weeks. The days where I was where I really did practice all of my five prayers. Mm-hmm. Life gets so much easier. And then I get angry at myself if I because I know the answers, right? Yes. I know that's the answer. I know this is the answer. Mm-hmm. I Esra, if you only if you do your five prayers, it's gonna be fine, right? Yeah. And I told you at the beginning, like that today, for example, is a day where I have a lot of anxiety. So yeah. if, if I could just do that, I'd there be you okay. Go. But I'm not doing it. <laughs> Why am I not doing it? I don't, I don't get myself. I don't get this person. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. We are always standing in our own way. Yeah. But why? Why, Yanni? I just don't understand. How, how can one, how can I be so stupid? It's, I mean, what is, mm-hmm. I mean, just me like telling you this. Mm-hmm. And I'll promise you probably once we're done with this. I'll just go to my couch. Yeah, and not do down, it. Be like, <gasps> not do it and just be in my anxiety. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's because uh, you feel anxious. <laughs> That's why you're not, <laughs> so not going to do it. Yeah. Oh, money. Ah. Hey, have you seen this uh, really beautiful movie called uh, Minari? No. Is it a good one? Oh, it's really great. A Korean-American filmmaker made it. It's called Minari. And Steve Yeun is in it. Korean actresses Han Yeri and Yoon Ye Jung are in it. Um, two young Korean American actors are in it. I think they're Korean American. And it's uh, it's set in Arkansas, like very rural, like um, America, very white, mm-hmm. very farmer like. And um, it's about this Korean American immigrant family trying to make it there as farmers. It's so beautifully made. I 
I had so much anxiety when this when the trailer was out because I saw the film campaigning since January of last year because it won awards at Sundance and I was like okay I mean Steve Young is in it you know I know this filmmaker um, I've seen his other films but I just couldn't get myself to actually watch it because there were these clips and they were so triggering you know I was like fuck mm-hmm. like I know what that's like I know exactly that precise moment but then that's what makes the show so great he can capture those precise moments that immigrants would understand the Korean immigrants would understand that it's like a code you know you see it and um, you know like white people be like oh this is so beautiful it's like a lovely immigrant story I'm like don't you understand how traumatic this is for some of us like it's like painful for some of us you know like you're missing the fucking point sundance you pieces of shit you know but um it is so well edited the editing on this movie is so so good the musical score on this movie is so beautiful it got shortlisted for the oscars it's such a beautiful Mm. score um and like everybody's performances is just like really excellent and it's not like sappy and over-the-top dramatic it's like a very quiet right. you know realist kind of pacing it's a lovely film i think you'd love it yeah what i sometimes feel like is like when there's really good movies out in anywhere basically mm-hmm. it sometimes sometimes feels like germany is the last country that gets to you know <laughs> these videos it's just it's just very we're just very slow uh. it's like i'd be like oh okay so uh oscar is tamam shortlist is tamam so maybe three years and then we can watch it. <laughs> if we lucky two years. <laughs> so nah. like, I don't even want to get my hopes up because it's so hard to like. Right. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you'll get it sooner. I think because it, it won awards at Sundance and there's like some Oscar buzz around it. So I think mm-hmm. it, you'll get it sooner. Yeah. But I remember seeing this movie, a really great film in Berlin called The Favorite. And it's a hilarious movie. It's very funny. But nobody was laughing. Like, I was the only one cracking up in the theater. <laughs> it was a very lonely and jarring experience for me. I'm like, don't you Germans find this funny? It's so funny. God damn. Wait, what movie was it? The Favorite. No, I don't. Okay. No, no, no. It's by this Greek know. filmmaker. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I think you'd like that movie, too. It's got a lot of bunny rabbits in it. Okay. Um, do you have any like interest in engaging in like transnational activist politics across like Korea and Turkey and Germany? Mm. Not really. Mm. And I wish I was as well as connected to local um activists as I, as I am uh, in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um but not growing up in Turkey and Korea. And also, like, whenever I go to Turkey, I go to the village, straight, like, Yanni, mm. airport's village, and then I stay in the village, and then yeah. it's mountains. And then, uh-huh. like, even, like, just a couple of years ago, we didn't even have internet in the village. And, right. Like, Ten years ago, we didn't even have roads, you know? So it's um, it's not a place to, like, meet a lot of activists. Got it. And in Korea, so what's interesting is when I, when I was very young, mm-hmm. we didn't have the money to go to Korea often. So yeah. I went there when I was, I think, six. That uh-huh. was my first time when I was in Korea. Yeah. Or maybe younger, five or six. And then when I was 14, and then I started going after I graduated high school. So like since the age of like 18, I've been going there regularly. Uh-huh. But back then, I wasn't, I only started politicizing myself when I was like 23, 24. Mm. So the time when, you know, I was, I spent, uh, I did like an exchange year in Korea when I was 19, mm-hmm. 1920. Mm. Um, and that was a time where I still believed in world peace. I believed oh. in the United Nations. I believed in like, you know, we're all going to get like, you know, this, uh, <laughs> this is all going to be over. It's, it's going to be. be just this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then obviously when you have that kind of mindset, you do not connect with activists because as I, I feel like, and that's just, a, you know, my personal thesis. I understand. As an activist, you you will always look at things more critically mm-hmm. and i think since then yes i mean i can i'm regular i mean since i've been like i mean yes i'm in korea regularly but then you stick to the people that you already know and it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to kind of 
um, meet the people when I'm in Korea. Mm-hmm. Because I'm also on my, my family, you know? It's yeah. Like, mm, I, lo- I love my family, but yeah, ac- activists, you know? I, I understand that. Then, okay, it sounds like Turkey then with the mountains and village. It sounds so beautiful. It sounds like this kind of escape for you, like a break into nature and into like kind of idyllic kind of living. And Korea is like another form of that, like it's family and it's gathering mm. and things like that. And then in Germany is like where you do all the the political stuff. Definitely. And to be honest, I don't feel responsible for Turkey or Korea because uh-huh. I've been born and socialized in Germany. There you go. This this right here. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not Germany, Berlin, at least, that's mm-hmm. my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I do remember, and I think it was in 2014, I did this internship in Palestine in Beit Sahur. Um, mm-hmm. And I was so angry. I was so angry. You know, when you're there, you get to see and witness a lot of things that just get you very angry. Mm-hmm. And um, I had this moment where I was like, okay, how, how can I change this? But then there was this crucial moment where I understood it, it wasn't my, I didn't have the power to change anything there or somewhere else, but I do have the power to change these little, little, tiny, tiny things mm-hmm. in my own, in my own house in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes even though I feel like um, Germany's doing a lot to not make me feel like this is my house, mm. Mm, I'm grateful for the people that helped me um, uh, politicize because I'm reclaiming reclaiming that. Mm. I'm reclaiming these spaces and I'm making sure that people see people like me and mm-hmm. see people who are more marginalized than me. Right. And that's when I feel like okay, this is my responsibility and I'm, you know, I'm I can also hold myself accountable. Mm. Uh, I I like that, you know. That's where that's why grassroots activism matters so much like i mean i feel like grassroots is activism (laughs) that's political work that's political labor it is you know yeah i mean that's what stacey abrams did in georgia you know i mean it's all grassroots it's like when you're seeing it happen in front of you with your hands with your words with the people who are right there Mm -hmm. that's what politics that's what activist politics is that is political practice but you know what's interesting is so um i work as a journalist and like mainly as a video producer and video journalist right Mm -hmm. and um i'm obviously i'm what i focus on is um getting people in front of the camera and getting people behind the camera Mm -hmm. who are normally structurally marginalized in germany right yeah um and what's interesting is um oftentimes people like to ask me how I could call myself a journalist mm. if I do activist work. And I'm like, how, mm. how is the just representation mm-hmm. of the peoples that live here, how can that be a political thing? How can that be an activist thing? That's, I mean, that shouldn't be, it's not an opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not something that, it's not an opinion I'm trying to like impose on people. Right. It's right. So it's like, it's very hard to kind of, mm-hmm. When someone asks that question, even I struggle um, explaining. I don't like that question. Me neither. I don't like it. <laughs> I agree. I don't a, like it. It's a useless question, I feel like. I completely agree. Yeah. Because the inherent, you know, as a journalist, that's what you're meant to do. You're not meant to like be part of a machinery that gets <sighs> just news going out. Police. Part of the industry. Every, every journalist is part of that machinery. Come on. I mean, it's... You know, to some extent we are like, how are people not opinionated? How how do people not have values? They have them. They associate with the, the news corporations are ideological machines. Come on. Like Fox has its ideologies. NBC has its ideologies. CNN has its ideologies. Like, they, come on. like the New York Times has its ideologies. We're not apart from them, you know, and we're individuals. We're people. We're human beings. Exactly. And ultimately, the stories that you're interested in, they're human stories. It's about humanizing these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are you working on anything right now? Um, I'm still doing my show. Yes. Um, I'm not sure whether we talked, but, you know, we uh, two and a half years ago, I started the show on YouTube. Yeah. And it's, you know, we curate topics and experts um, that are um, 
relevant for um, millennials of color mm-hmm. or German millennials of color, mm-hmm. color or rather no it's actually it's millennials of color who are based in Germany mm. it's not necessarily they don't have to be German mm-hmm. mm. and so we I did that for a year and then we were part of uh, we were in a deal with the public broadcasting station that didn't work out um, so we're now independent again and now and I love the journey that we're that we're in right now is we're continuing to produce our show and I'm not only uh, working as a journalist and as a moderator and host but also now I get to really um, explore my entrepreneurial side mm-hmm. understanding business models understanding how how do you monetize journalistic content how do you just generally uh, monetize um, content um, that is accessible mm-hmm. for everybody so it's very it's challenging it's so challenging of course yeah but i love it i love these questions and i love you know going diving right into that yeah are you working on a book or anything do you think you want to write a book you know I, people have me have been asking me that and i'm like yeah, I can write a book, but Yanni, what do I write about? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> it's like, and you know, I hate writing. Uh-huh. And I know. So the thing is, when I speak, I feel like I can get the mood across. Yes. Nah, and people yeah. know what I mean, you know? Yeah. But when I write, it's like. It's ah, different. How do I, how do I phrase it in a way mm-hmm. where people know what kind of mood I'm going for? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, but to answer no, I'm not working on a book right now. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you don't need it, honestly. It's just, yeah, sometimes... Well, maybe I do, you know, maybe. It's another stream of revenue, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, once you have a topic, yeah, but... Okay. Let me ask you some flashcard questions, all right? So, the show that I chose for, for this episode is called Successful Story of a Bright Girl. And uh, it came out in 2002, I want to say long time ago mm-hmm. stars Chang Nara and Chang Hyuk uh, and um, it's about like this working class girl you know she's very she has a lot of moxie yeah she has a lot of a lot of moxie and that that reminded me of you so um, so let me ask you so let's say you're an 18 year old girl in high school your name is mm-hmm. Yang Sun okay your parents are scam artists all right, and they swindled your neighbors out of all their money, and they fled. They just ran away, and now the neighbors come to you to get that money. What do you do? I continue this game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen. There's not going to be. There's no point in trying to like convince them that I'm uh, because at the end of the day, their money is gone, right? Yeah. The money is stolen, so I can't change that, and I'm I'm not I'm not responsible to like get them the money back. So you know what? Wow. Well just... Yeah, <laughs> take after your parents' footsteps. Okay, I understand. Exactly. Very nice. All right, uh, that wasn't an answer I was expecting. I like that. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so you're the same 18 year old high school girl, okay? And uh-huh. you were forced to leave your grandmother behind in the countryside, and you were forced to leave your home, and you go to work as a housekeeper in Seoul for a rich family in order to pay back this mm-hmm. debt. And the girl who lives in the house that you work at, okay, she treats you like crap. And one day, that rich girl, while she's driving, she accidentally runs over your grandmother who came to visit you. And your grandmother dies. I know. And you have <gasps> you have no evidence that this bitch killed your grandmother. What do you do? Oh, I would do some kind of psycho shit with this woman. <laughs> Something, Yani, she will be, uh-uh. I want her to be sorry. I'm going to get her to a place where she'll be sorry. Uh. And I'm not going to get my fingers dirty. I'm mm-hmm. not going to murder her. I'm not going to like hurt her because that's too easy. That's yeah. too easy for her. She's rich yeah. and I'm not rich. She's rich. She'll yeah. Be very smart about it. Be very slick about it. Have my plan ready. Uh-huh. And then make her, maybe not torture her physically, but t- torture her, you know, mentally. <laughs> <laughs> Play mind games with her. <laughs> I feel ter- terrible saying this, but I mean... <laughs> She deserved it. Yeah. Well, she okay, no, no. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, listen. I feel obliged to also uh, mention that, you know, uh, in my uh, Muslim practice or is- uh, Islamic practice, yeah. I should also be adding that <clears throat> um, I don't have to do anything. I can just, my, my <laughs> it's my responsibility to forgive and let go, uh, and Allah will take care of it. Yes. This is what. This is what I would do if I would pray five times a day. <laughs> not pray five times a day. 
<laughs> so khalas, she's gonna be out. She's uh uh-uh. nope. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. Very good. Okay, okay. So okay, so you're let's say you're some rich asshole guy. You're very wealthy. You're a man. Your name is Han Kite. Okay, you grew up rich your whole life. Right, but your parents, when you were a child, they died by drowning. Okay, so you grew up as an orphan. But Yang Sun, the 18-year-old girl with the dead grandma, she cleans your house. That's her job, and you find her so annoying, can't stand her. But one day, you take Yang Sun to your cosmetics company makeover event, and after the makeover, when you look at her, she is so hot. She's so attractive. And you develop feelings for her, okay? But you're too embarrassed to admit that you have feelings for this country hick, okay? But now she's about to move back to her house in the countryside. She's about to leave your side. What do you do? Dang. Um. I mean, this is a tough one <laughs> because if I am this. Man, rich, Korea. I'll probably just, I'll probably not give a damn about nothing and just be like, I'll do anything to keep her here. And she probably doesn't even have a choice, even if she says no, right? Yeah. But if there was, wait, let me think. Let me think about this for a second. <laughs> what would I? I mean, it's not okay. feelings and that moment i believe him that i believe i believe me i believe me that i have authentic feelings for young soon right uh-huh. i love you but yeah. i'm also noticing that i have these other feelings that make me feel ashamed of uh-huh. me falling in love with someone who's not in my class you know mm. in my i mean if we talk about it. wow so i need to understand and reflect on why i have these kind of feelings you yes. know not the love feelings but mm, yeah. why do i feel this resistance yes. and then i feel like okay i should be going to this woman be like i love you oh. i want you to be my boo <laughs> but i also have these other feelings and i think i need to work on them so let me read books on classism <laughs> <laughs> and let me see how I can become an ally <laughs> and how can, you know, change the system. <laughs> it's the best answer. Oh, my God. Why don't right? all the men in Korean dramas say exactly that? <laughs> Yanni is easy. Ah, it would anyway. be all over that. Oh, I love it. Okay. Beautiful because answer. It would be too easy. It'd be too easy for him to just go and be like, I love you and not think about not acknowledge. Yes. Right? Radical honesty, self-reflection, education. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful. My God. And it's okay. And it's okay to feel the shame. Yes. But it's not okay to continue with that, right? Yes. Okay, let's acknowledge the shame. Yes. What are we going to do with that? Yeah. Where is it coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, do the work. You know, if I would be doing the work, I wouldn't have anxiety. (laughs) So I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love these answers. Okay, great. Okay. So you're you're the same rich asshole guy, Han Gite, and mm-hmm. your enemies in the company, they mess with your stocks and you lose all of your assets. You're flat broke. Mm-hmm. You lose your house. You lose your car. You lose all of your money. All your credit cards don't work. You're flat broke. You're living mm-hmm. on the streets. What do you do? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is Allahu Alim. This is a test from God, and I know that I will, you know, I only get the test that I'm ready for. Yes. I'll take, be calm, I'll be grateful, (gasps) and I'll keep on going. But if we assume that this person, that this rich Mm -hmm. dude Mm -hmm. that I am, Mm -hmm. (laughs) didn't grow up as a Muslim. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're living off the streets. It's raining. You're hungry. You have nowhere to go. I mean, the thing is, revenge is not going to make me happy. Mm. I can go for the people, right, and try to, like, you know, take them down. Okay, come on. But first, resentment is going to eat me alive from the inside. That's one. Second of all, Tamam, okay, you got your revenge, but it's not going to change anything because it's a system that allowed it, right? Yeah. So it makes more sense, you know, to understand... Capitalism. To understand 
classism <laughs> and you know mobilize you know get your friends together and then find your tribe <laughs> get strong <laughs> change you know that i think that's going to be the most sustainable and most healing oh <laughs> way yeah <laughs> I think you're ready for you're ready for anything. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're ready. You have all the answers. Yes. Okay, amazing. Amazing. All right. <laughs> Last question. I love these answers. Okay. So you're you're the same guy, Hankite, who lost everything, mm-hmm. right? So you start mm-hmm. stealing from the cosmetic company that fired you unjustly, okay? And you start selling their products for 70% off. Um just wholesale to these ajumas at buildings okay so your enemy the guy who fired you he calls you no he calls the cops on you he gets you arrested and he forces you to get on your knees and beg for forgiveness and on top of that he takes away your parents uh your dead parents wedding rings that you always wore uh, as a necklace on your chest so out of rage out of vindictive rage you take a knife and you threaten to stab and kill him i mean you have the knife at his throat but then yang sun the little girl he she shows up and she screams in front of everybody that she loves you what do you do <laughs> okay there's this german expression that i need to say right now yeah. If I was in that situation and this this woman will be coming from the side, I would say, "Halt dein Schnauze, verpissed What are you doing? Just get the fuck out. This is not about you. Why do you think this is about you? Why do you think? Habibi, you have your own drama. Go have you play your own drama. Don't get into my own drama. I have this perfect script in front of me. I mean, the spotlight was on me. I I was meant to be the hero at this moment, regardless of the consequences. So oh. who are you? No, 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 my friend, go. <laughs> if you want your own drama, go do your drama with someone else. I just, no, 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 I'd be, to be, I'd be really pissed. Wow. I'd be like, time out, stop, just a moment. I'll just go to her and be like, okay, girl, listen, can you just like not do this right now? This is really important for me. Please. Walla, please go. I give wow. you cosmetics 70% off. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. So it would be more about like she's stealing your thunder. That's the most annoying part about this. Of course. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow. How, okay. The the thing is because listen, I'm I'm already so there's this rich dude company guy who already called the cops on me. Yeah. I'm already enraged. Uh-huh. I already have the knife on his throat. Yes. Okay. So I mean, to be honest, I don't think I would want to kill him. Uh. No, that's too easy. Yes. I'm not gonna make it that easy for him. Yeah. But I will injure you, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Something in your this shoulder and then this shoulder and then maybe in your face. People should know. People should recognize a liar and a thief and someone who's not, you know. (sighs) Yanni, and I'm already at that point. So even if she stops me, I would have gone. I would have already taken the risk. People would have witnessed me taking this risk. Yeah. And I wouldn't have gotten anything out of it. That'd be that'd be so tragic. Just imagine if I did that, and then she came like in between, and then nothing happened. Right. This is so unsatisfying. Ugh, I know. What a letdown. Is that what happened? No, she she screams, "I love you," and then he decides not to kill him. Oh my god! The guy Oh my god! They got see. She thinks it's all about her. I love you. See, I told you. <laughs> she really thinks she's the center of everything. She does. Well, I mean, the show's technically about her, so it's okay. No, 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 but still, though. No, no, no. I mean, you know, you can make shows about narcissists, but. Yeah, this was a. this. You're right that this was a moment. This was a very climactic moment involving him and his revenge. And she did kind of intervene. You're right. And then he went to jail, jail anyways for me. No. No. They, yeah, see, okay, listen. They let him go. In real life, this is not going to happen. <laughs> In real life, you fuck anyways. If you are poor and there's a rich man who doesn't like you, oh, you're out. Habibi, and you do what you got to do and then erase everything. <laughs> Get away, you know, change your face, change your name, change everything. Go leave the country. Yeah. I mean, no. You, you, if you don't have money, you're gonna lose too many. Money is always gonna mess you up, or people with money. So, yeah, I know that's what we poor people like to say. 
Wait, you think someone who's rich wouldn't say that something like that? They say that to appease the poor. <laughs> But they don't actually believe it. People with money love money. There's no way around it. It was um it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. You guys, I got more fan mail. Hello. I'm loving all the fan mail you guys keep sending me. So, keep them coming. I will read them. I will read them and I will talk about them on this podcast. So, send me the fan mail. I need the affirmation, okay? So much money goes flying out of my pockets to do this podcast. I am not compensated to do these podcasts and getting hearing from you, knowing that there are people listening, this gives me energy. This gives me joy. So, please keep the letters coming. If you have questions for me, ask. If you have uh shows that you want me to talk about on this show, send me recommendations i will respond all right so do it so let's read this fan letter hi grace watching k dramas and listening to podcasts have been my saving grace during quarantine that means i am loving your podcast thank you i am so curious as to what you think of yisojin/pd nas collaborations like yoon's kitchen and yoon's stay three meals a day grandpa's over flowers etc. I am hooked and would love to hear what you think about these shows. Muchas gracias, Ada. Thank you Ada for that lovely letter and your kind words. Hearing from you to know that you are enjoying my podcast, that that's my saving grace during this quarantine. So I appreciate you. As for Yisojin and Napidi's collaborations, I mean I'm a fan. I first of all like Napidi is a huge part of Korean variety show industry, right? Like he he's very much well known for uh Two Days One Night, which is a variety travel show that started I think in 2007, I want to say in Korea, and it's um kind of modeled off of Infinite Challenge and that real variety take a little bit. except they have more of a gimmick like they travel to a specific destination they eat the food there they engage with the local culture there and it's sort of like this public broadcast educational program um that also works as like a tourist tourism sort of uh how do you say tourism porn <laughs> I, i don't know how else to describe it other than porn isajin started out with napidi doing ilbagil so two days one night that's how they started their collaborations and Uh, since then they haven't stopped so grandpa's over flowers for instance um, which was very very popular in korea that was adapted by nbc here in america to feature some old white male geezers uh, who were who used to be stars who still are stars and they just travel from place to place just eating the local food and engaging with the local culture. And I would say more problematically so with NBC's show, right? Because like there I think there's this one episode when they go to Asia, like they go to Japan and they're just like kind of otherizing all the like the Asian-ness or, or all the Japanese culture stuff. So that was a little bit awkward to watch. Like I don't think that's a very progressive sort of programming, but uh, when it came to Two Days One Night at the time when I was watching it, I was such a fan of that show. I watched that show religiously. Yeah, in fact, my dissertation which I just submitted to my advisor, the final draft, like this is the one that I'm filing, so I'm very very close to finishing my grad school career. Thank you. Um in that dissertation I talk specifically about Korean variety shows and Napidi and Isajin's work is very much a part of the historicizing that I do in my dissertation. Um and I I love Yoon's Kitchen and Yoon's Stay. Like um Yoon Yeojung who is nominated for a bunch of awards, she won the BAFTA recently for Minari her her uh, role in Minari. I think she's immensely talented and anything she does is just gold. So I think Isajin and Napidi are lucky to have Yoon Yeojung, such a revered star actress to do these variety shows, right? Because when it comes to doing television work and when it comes to doing especially a specific kind of television work like a variety show where you're supposed to reveal parts of your private life for a movie star that can be 
uh, that can feel like a compromise, you know, because like when it comes to film, it's all about invisibility and glamour, right? Making making things seem as if they are perfect on screen. But when it comes to variety shows, variety TV shows, it's the exact opposite of that, right? You get rid of glamour. You reveal everything. You expose everything. There is no invisibility. So uh, in that regard, I would say Yoon Yeo-jung is uh, very brave for doing that. And I really admire her work and her career. So thank you for your question, Ada. So next week, you guys, I'm going to be talking about yet another old school Korean drama. I'm just in an old school kick right now. Um, they don't get as much views or listenership, but it's fine. I'm going to be talking about a show called All In, starring Song Hye-kyo and Lee Byung-hun. Okay, that that happens. Song Hye-kyo and Lee Byung-hun did a show together. <laughs> All right. And they also got engaged right after doing it. So there you go. A little goss. Okay. So that's a 2003 show out um, through SBS. So I will be talking about that show next week. And folks, just as always, follow me at KDrama School on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter. Please visit kdramaschool.com to learn more about this podcast. You can email me, as I mentioned. You can email me to kdramaschool at gmail.com and I will be sure to respond. So thank you all for listening and I will see you next week.